Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. Father, as we come to listen to your voice, give us grace to submit to your amazing and strong authority. Reveal to us the life that we have in your name and lead us away from rejection or religious complacency. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The chief priests and the elders, they're after Jesus again. It's a bit like that old movie Dumb and Dumber with Jim Carrey. These guys just continue to make fools of themselves. They think they've got what it takes to outwit the Messiah, the Son of the living God. They think they've got a bulletproof and cunning plan that will trap Jesus. But as usual, they end up being the ones with egg smeared all over their faces. Today they're questioning Jesus' authority, which has massive, massive implications for life in the kingdom of God. And so they ask Jesus where his authority comes from. Is it from heaven or is it from humans? You remember at the conclusion of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, just a a couple of chapters earlier in chapter 7, it reads, when Jesus had finished saying these things, teaching them, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. And then in chapter 9, Jesus heals a paralytic in the presence of the teachers of the law and they're muttering to themselves, muttering away, not to Jesus but amongst themselves, that he's a blasphemer because he forgives sins. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, responds, but so you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, get up, take your mat and go home. And now, today, Jesus has cleansed the temple of money changers to restore it to its proper God-ordained use as a house of prayer and a house of healing. And the indignant chief priests and elders have seen all these wonderful things that he did and they've heard the children singing, Hosanna to the Son of David. And, of course, they are outraged. The problem, of course, is that their hearts are exposed again by Jesus They think their trap is genius by asking him where his authority comes from because if Jesus says his authority is from God and that he is the Messiah, then they'll run to Rome and have Jesus charged with rebellion against Caesar's authority. Or he could say his authority is human and lose the approval of the crowds following him. They think they've got him in this perfect trap. He's got nowhere to go. And in true rabbinic style, Jesus answers their questioning of his authority with another question, because that's what rabbis do. I'll ask you one question. If you answer me, I'll tell you by what authority I'm doing these things. John's baptism, where did it come from? Was it from heaven or human origin? You know, this isn't a stall tactic. Jesus isn't trying to buy time so that he can figure stuff out. John the Baptist's ministry was a major revival movement in Israel prior to Jesus. I mean, these guys should have had something to say about it. 
They should have known what was going on, but what do they do? They go off into their holy huddle to see if they can reason their way out of it with human reason so they can save their own backs. If we say from heaven, he'll ask then, why didn't you believe him? But if we say of human origin, we're afraid of the people. We're afraid of the people, for they all hold that John was a prophet. And so what do they do? They opt out. And they say to Jesus, oh, we don't know. We don't know. Neither will I tell you by what authority I'm doing these things, says Jesus. I mean, these religious leaders, they hated John the Baptist. They hated him. He called them names. Remember when they came out, what did John the Baptist say? You brood of vipers, which probably upset them. Maybe they were feeling a bit hurt. He dealt with their tall poppy syndrome. He cut them back to reality, telling them that they were no better than anyone else who came out to the desert to see him. Their credentials, their advanced theological degrees and their Sanhedrin gold cards, they cut no ice with John or with God. John confronted their outwardly, their outwardly religious way of life. He confronted that. If they wanted to be saved, then they had to submit to John's baptism in the desert, the same as everyone else. But did they, would they submit to John's baptism of repentance? No, these guys thought they were the authority. They wouldn't submit to anyone. Well then, says Jesus, I'm not going to tell you about my authority either. We think the conversation is all but over except for the short parable of two sons. What do you think, says Jesus? We ought to get nervous when Jesus says that. When he says, what do you think? He's actually calling you out. He's asking you a question. There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. I don't want to, said that son. I don't want to do that. But later changed his mind and he went. Then the father goes to the other son, says the same thing. He answered, I will, sir. I will, sir but then didn't go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? And they say the first one. What do you think? Something big is coming here. Something big's going to happen. There are two sons and the first son who didn't want to go into the vineyard, he had a godly sorrow come over him. He had a godly sorrow because he didn't respond to his father's request. It's like when you do something that you know you, sh- you, you, know you should do and you don't, And then all of a sudden you think, oh, why didn't I do that? Why didn't I just obey? That's what happened to this this son. He didn't have this godly sorrow come over him and then stay sitting on the couch. He got up and he went to work for his father. He made a change as soon as he saw his error. The second son, though, he had all the right words. This is Mr. Smooth. He knew what to say to keep up appearances but really had no respect for his father's authority. No intention of submitting to anyone. Who does this sound like? Jesus says to the religious leaders, truly I tell you the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. They are that second son. In fact, they're even worse. Jesus is actually addressing a bunch of dead corpses standing right in front of him with hearts of rock-hard stone. 
the very people these chief priests and elders wouldn't associate with are marching forth into the kingdom of heaven instead of them while they stand on the verge of hell. They're dead because they won't repent and believe in Jesus from the heart. They're dead because even though they say all the right words, even though they can recite all the right liturgy and have all the right forms of worship, their hearts are far from God. Do you remember the story of the Pharisee and the tax collector who went to pray? And the Pharisee prayed about himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. I thank you that I'm not like those robbers and like those evildoers and those adulterers. In fact, God, I I thank you that I'm, I'm not even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. Look how good I am. And I give a tenth, I give a tithe of every, everything I get. And the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And it was the tax collector that went home justified before God that day. Did you know that you can be very religious and not have a saving faith? Did you know you can be very religious and not have saving faith? These parables aren't just addressed to the Jewish leaders today. Jesus is speaking this parable to the church. The church can be a lot like these religious leaders. It can be a gold card members only club where people that you're not comfortable with, they aren't invited to come to worship. They aren't welcomed or they even aren't spoken to after the service. Have you ever avoided a person at church that you didn't want to talk to them or because they made you uncomfortable? That's how the religious leaders felt about prostitutes and tax collectors. Yeah, they were extortionists and yes, they were the sexually immoral of society. We might call them socially challenged or people we couldn't trust or befriend because we have nothing in common with them or so we think. And there's this massive problem And it's massive because these are the very same people that have such a great need for Jesus. Only no one will get close enough to them to share with them the good news of Jesus' death and resurrection in their life. Imagine that, people walking around dead in their sins and there's Christians and people around but they won't talk to them because they're frightened of them or they're not willing to associate with them. And these people have this great need for Jesus and they never hear the Gospel. It took John the Baptist and Jesus Christ to do it in ancient Israel for the same reasons. All the religious people wouldn't associate with these people. They were unclean and they built a whole lot of rules to protect themselves and justify themselves for that. God hasn't called anyone here, no one, to an exclusive cardholders club. God hasn't called you to be more concerned about keeping up appearances or saying all the right liturgy and then stopping there. I want to compare that today to Luther's description of faith. Let's go back. The most misquoted theologian of all history, probably apart from Jesus, and he said this, he said, true faith is a living, busy, active, mighty thing. Isn't that great? True faith, a living, busy, active, mighty thing. That's what God is calling you to today, to live in the faith that you've received from the Lord. God has given you a living, busy, active, 
mighty thing in order that you might use it every single day for his glory. And the thing is, this kind of living faith, it's not afraid to get beside someone and simply point them to the Saviour. It's not preachy, it's not long-winded, but it's encouraging and focused on the needs of others. It invites people to come along to worship. This kind of faith, it sees people created in the image of God and it longs to see their great emptiness filled with Christ and with the flowing waters of the Holy Spirit. Living faith, in fact, climbs over social boundaries to reach the person because love overcomes all fear. You know, God has exciting and momentous things in store for his church. I think the question is, will the church step up and be obedient to the call? Will you respond to Jesus flowing from his gracious dealings with you and with this larger group of disciples that you're a part of? Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, says Paul, if you have any comfort from his love, if any common sharing fellowship in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind, one purpose, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests but each of you to the interests of others. You know, the religious leaders, they couldn't reach out to the tax collectors They couldn't reach out to the prostitutes because all they knew was law, rules and regulations. They didn't know God's grace. Their hearts didn't know God's grace. They couldn't hear when John the Baptist pointed to one coming who would baptise with the Holy Spirit and with fire. That's not the case for you who've been united with Christ in the waters of Christian baptism. That's not the case for you who've been giving a living and busy and active, mighty, spirit-filled faith in Christ. You who continue to receive heavenly encouragement in the Word and at His altar. You who continue to receive the comfort of cleansing and sins forgiven. You who receive continually the blessings of fellowship and community amongst the royal priesthood of believers here. You who know the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit in every circumstance of your life. Today you're being called out. You're being called out to extend that healing gospel flow to other people. And that flow is yours because your Saviour humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. All authority in heaven and on earth belongs to Jesus. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess his Lordship. That will happen. How will we respond to Jesus' authority and his call, though, to go out beyond these walls? How will we respond 
to the prostitutes and the tax collectors of our day. Are we going to fulfil the words of Jesus' parable like the first son? Or will we say, yes, yes, Lord, Lord, but then do nothing like the second son? True faith is a living, busy, active, mighty thing. That's yours today in Christ. Let's reach out to others. Let's reach out to tax collectors and prostitutes this week. The people that make us uncomfortable even. But let's do it with grace-filled hearts. Grace-filled hearts. From everything, the abundance that we've received. And let's do it in Jesus' name. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the abundant blessings that you've poured into each one of us. And I pray, Lord, that you would break down social barriers, that you would break down things that prevent us from sharing your love and your grace and your death and resurrection to make people right with you. I pray that you would break down those barriers so that we would see the person and reach out to the person not being preachy or self-righteous or religious, but just being disciples, your disciples, and pointing someone else to their Saviour, showing someone else where, that they, where they can find living bread for their soul. I pray that you would help us and that your Holy Spirit would go with us this week and that you would challenge us and prompt us. In Jesus' name, Amen. And the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding Guard your hearts and your minds and keep them safe in Christ Jesus. Amen.